Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 through 28. It says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. Somebody say heart. And put a new spirit. Somebody say spirit. In you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. In other words, what God was saying through the prophet Ezekiel was that there was going to be a time where God would take our hearts that were hardened towards him and make him soft and tender towards him. And he continued to say, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Can somebody say amen? The Bible has a whole lot to say about our hearts. In fact, whenever you begin to study it, the Bible references the heart nearly a thousand times. And I believe that tonight, hearts are going to be changed tonight. That God's going to stir some hearts and maybe remove some things or uh, add some things or just do whatever he needs to do. But this is what I've learned. Before God can ever change your heart, you first have to have your heart checked. Tonight's message I want to share with you is this. Check your heart. Check your heart. Turn to the person next to you and say, have you had your heart checked lately? Come on. We're going to have some heart checks tonight. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather in your presence. Holy Spirit, I cannot do this without you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that there's power in your word. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, change hearts tonight. And somebody said, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing. As you already know, um, the heart is a very powerful organ. Um, I actually found out online that the heart is responsible uh, for pumping about a gallon and a half of blood throughout the rest of your body um, every single minute. So in the time span of 24 hours, um, that's equal to around 200,000 gallons of blood being pumped to the rest of your body. It's been said that the heart is like the power generator for the rest of your body. So you can imagine that if there's a heart issue or heart problem or whatever it may be, it, it is not good news. In fact, do you want to know what the leading cause of death is um, in American men and women, or actually just in men and women in general, the leading cause of death is heart disease. Because out of that heart disease, it causes a lot of different issues, because who knows when the heart's not right, the body won't be all right. I, I learned the importance of having a healthy heart um, whenever I was in middle school, because whenever I was in middle school, um, I played football. I tried to play football, at least. And I played during my seventh and eighth grade year. And during my eighth grade year, as we had practices and everything, I began to run. And as I began to run, I began to experience just really intense chest pains. The best way I could describe it was I told my parents, it felt like something or was just stabbing my heart. 
So whenever I really began to push myself as we ran on the football field, I'd begin to feel just intense pain. So my parents took me to the heart doctors, believe the cardiologists, and they took me there, and they began to do x-rays, and they began to do blood work, they began to do tests, and they diagnosed me with a heart condition, and they said that one of the valves that was pumping to my heart wasn't working and functioning correctly, and that if I didn't take care of this and address it, then it could lead to a lot of other issues and it can become life-threatening. So imagine being an eighth grader, having this heart problem, being made aware and also being told that in order to fix this issue, that I would have to have heart surgery. And you can imagine how that made me feel being in eighth grade. I was worried. I was concerned. I was afraid if we're being honest and they scheduled me out for other tests and coming back and doing checkups and everything, getting ready for surgery. But I thank God that I have some faith-filled, believing parents. Because after they got told that report, I won't forget, night after night before bed, my parents would come in my room. Sorry, y'all. I cry really easy if you don't know. Whew. It just takes me back. My parents would come in my room. And they would lay their hands on my chest at night. And they began to speak God's word over me. And they, we, they said, we know that we received this report, but we believe, Jesus, that by your wounds that Caleb is healed. Touch him, Lord. Give him a new heart. And they would pray this prayer night after night. And one day when we went back to the hospital, they did the sonogram. Where, you know, they got that gel, cold stuff all over my chest, right? The pregnant woman, you know what I'm talking about, right? It was so cold, and they did the sonogram on my chest. And to the doctor's amazement, they said, we don't know what happened. We can't find any issues. It looks like you have a new, you won't even need heart surgery anymore. See, I believe it's because God gave me a new heart. Oh, come on. Does anybody in here believe in the healing power of God? Man, if there's people that come up to me and tell me, you know, God can't heal. You know, the gifts of the Spirit, they're dead. That's just for the early church. Guess what? You've come to me too late because I have firsthand experienced the power of God, the healing power of God. And can I go ahead and take a step further and tell you that even here at Riverside Church, we have seen people that have been jumped by gang members come through the doors of this church with broken ankles. They didn't have money or insurance to go to the emergency room. They came to our services, and I won't forget this one time, me and my dad were in the back, and we began to lay hands on this individual, and we began to pray, and all of a sudden, he looked up, he looked down, he looked up at us, and all of a sudden, he said, all that pain and everything went away, and he got up, and he began to jump. Y'all, he walked in with the crooked ankle broken, but the next time after we prayed with him, guess what? He was running around these aisles. Come on, we have seen people that have had tumors that have been to this church, parents that had went to the doctors, they got the x-rays and everything to prove it, but then they came to church with this report, and we prayed, and we believed that God would touch them. They went back, and all of a sudden, that tumor was gone, and they couldn't find it anymore. We have seen cancer cured. We have seen God do, and come on, does anybody believe in the power of God? I don't know where I would be at if it wasn't for God's power and presence in my life. But can I tell you something, Riverside Church? Can I tell you of a miracle that is far greater 
and more powerful than any other miracles that I just mentioned. And that's when God takes our hearts when they're dead in sin and he makes them alive in Jesus Christ. That right there is the greatest miracle of all. And that is something that God has called every person to experience in their lives as well. And that's what the prophet Ezekiel was sharing. He was talking about a time that there was a day coming where God would take the hearts that were like stone, but make them soft and tender towards God. Give them a new heart. Put a new spirit on the inside of them. See, whenever the Bible says the word heart, we need to understand that it's not talking about the physical pump in our chest. It's really talking about the core of who we are on the inside. It's where our emotions and desires and our spirits dwell. Not the physical pump, but the core of who we are. And the prophet Ezekiel, he shared, prophetically speaking, not just to the nation of Israel, but also to you and me. And he was saying, guess what? That there would be a time coming where God would take you from death to life, from darkness to light, from a hardened heart to a soft heart, and that he would put a new spirit on the inside of you. Guess what he was talking about? He was talking about what would happen over 2,000 years ago whenever Jesus Christ came into the world and he lived the life that we couldn't live. He died the death that me and you deserve, and he paid the ultimate price on the cross. Now when we place our faith in Jesus, guess what? We go from death to life, and not only does God change our heart, but but God also gives us a new spirit. The Bible says that the same spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave lives and dwells inside of you. The Bible says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. See, God has always been after the heart. That's what Jesus was after. Can I tell you something tonight? Jesus did not die for behavior modification. Jesus died for heart transformation. Jesus has always been after the heart, and only God is the one who can truly see the heart. The Bible says that man looks at the outside, but it's God who looks on the inside. It's God who looks, like, looks at the heart. And let me tell you what religion is. Religion looks good on the outside because the prophet Ezekiel did not say that it would be by tradition and religion and laws and regulation. And if you do better, then God will give you a new heart. No, it's by the grace of God that God gives us a new heart and he puts his spirit in our lives. See, and that's what religion does. Religion Religion looks good on the outside, but you can still be dead on the inside. That's what Jesus said whenever he saw the Pharisees and Sadducees. He called them whitewashed tombs. They look great and beautiful, but they're still dead on the inside because they followed the laws. They followed these commandments, but they never got to the heart of why God gave them the commandments to begin with. And God has always been after the heart. That's what God is after. I came to tell somebody, he said, you know what God wants from you? He wants all of your heart, all of your being, 
Every single part, no reservations, no restrictions. Can I tell you something? When you give God your heart and you give your life to Jesus, you no longer are a tomb. You become a temple of the Holy Spirit, and God can begin to change you. And guess what? The Spirit of God will begin to lead you to live the life that God has called you to live and be who God has called you to be. Can somebody say amen? See, one of the reasons Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 is one of my favorite Bible verses because I've seen the power of the scripture whenever I've prayed this scripture over people. Can I give you a word of advice if you maybe have a child or maybe a family member, a friend, a coworker that just has a hardened heart towards God? A hardened heart, maybe because they were hurt by religion, hurt by church, hurt by something or whatever else, and all of a sudden they have a hardened heart. Can I encourage you to begin to pray Ezekiel, this scripture over them, and say, God, take their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Because I have actually seen God change people's hearts. See, because here's what God knows. God knows that whenever your heart begins to change, everything else and your life will begin to change. That's what the King Solomon said. He said in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, he said this, and this is King Solomon who's known as one of the most wisest people who ever lived. He, he's written tons of principle and proverbs that we can follow in the Bible, but, before, but, but what he says right here just gets me because he says this, above all, somebody say above all. Above all else, guard. Somebody say guard. Your heart, for everything you do flows from it. See, when your heart begins to change, everything else in your life will begin to change. Whatever fills, spills. The Bible says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's why I believe as well, people even pray in the spirit because whenever God begins to fill them and touch them and they feel a swelling in their, I won't forget whenever we were just at youth camp, y'all, and whenever we were at youth camp, we were praying over youth in the altar and there were youth that we taught about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we explained it to them and they were hungry and they were thirsty and they came to the altar and I pray, we got to pray over them, and they came back and say, guess what? Tonight I received my prayer. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I say, how did it feel like? He said, well, I felt a swelling in my spirit. I felt like something was rising, and I began to feel a love and a peace and a joy, and I had to release something out of my mouth, and these words, I wasn't even making these up. It was something, why? Because of, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But what if you're filling your heart with junk? What if you're filling your heart with all the bad things? Because it's so easy to fill our hearts with all the wrong things. But I came to tell you tonight that whatever fills, spills. That whatever you fill in your heart will spill out of your life eventually. That's why I tell our youth as well. I said, you better be careful what kind of music you're listening to. Because if you're listening to music that says bleep this or bleep that or do this or do that, you really think that's not going to affect you and your life and the words that come out of your mouth and the way that you walk and the way that you talk. I'll be honest with y'all. Y'all, there was a time whenever I was like a freshman and I was listening. I must have forgot about the goodness of God really quick because I was listening to some music I know my parents wouldn't have approved of. And one day, y'all, I believe it was actually my, my sophomore year. I was driving on the road, and it was actually right after 
services, in between services, I believe. I was in the parking lot, and I was with one of my friends, and we were driving on the road, and I had been listening to all the wrong things, and I was about to get into a wreck. And, y'all, I wish the first word that came out of my mouth was, Jesus, help me. But can I tell you something? It wasn't. I cursed in that moment. Pastor Caleb cursed in that moment. And all of a sudden, I was like, where did that come from? And I felt like the Holy Spirit checked my heart and said, what have you been listening to? What have you been feeling in your heart? Because whatever you allow in your heart, guess what? Everything flows from your heart. What are, question, what are you allowing to influence your soul and your spirit? What are you allowing? Because can I tell you something? If you don't guard it, it will spill out eventually. Somebody say whatever fills spills. And this is why this is one of my anthems and mantra in ministry when it comes to this message, because whenever I first got into ministry, I had a man of God tell me, he said, Caleb, the key to your ministry is going to be your heart. Guard it and keep it pure. And God reaffirmed that same thing to me multiple times, y'all, because there were times where I went to a conference or I went to a church or something, and God would put on somebody's heart to come and pray over me, and they told me this happened on three different times. They said, Caleb, guard your heart. Keep it pure. It's going to be the key to what God has for you. Somebody say, guard your heart. There is power in guarding your heart. Why? Because everything else flows from your heart. And can I tell you something real quick? Our hearts can be deceiving. It doesn't matter how long you've been coming to church or living for God. Our hearts can get the best of us at times. The Bible says that the human heart is deceptive. You want to know one of the worst pieces of advice our culture gives us, y'all? To follow our heart. Whatever you feel to do. Hey, babe, go ahead and give me that. I think PB stole my towel. Not my towel, but the Lord's towel. Here we go. All right, so because our hearts can be very deceptive. There will be times where your heart will tell you to do something that you know doesn't line up with what God is calling you to do, or what the Spirit of God is leading you to do. But can I tell you something? The Bible says that for every temptation, that God has made a way of escape, and that God will not that God will always present an option, an opportunity for you to get out of that. That there will be times where we face temptations and we face things, because who knows, the greatest enemy that we have is really not the the devil, the greatest enemy that we have is our inner me. Somebody say, my greatest enemy is my inner me. And that's why I came to this, and I want to tell you, that's why it's so important to allow God to check your heart every single day. That's what I pray. I say, God, check my heart this morning. Check my heart tonight. Let it be lined up with what you want to say or do. And guess what? As you surrender to God, God will grace you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. See, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. There will be times where we fail and we make mistakes. David was known as a man after God's own heart. And I don't know about you, doesn't that sound like a big compliment? To be a man after God's own heart. It didn't say that he had God's heart, though. Because David failed big time with adultery and with murder. But if there's one thing that David knew to do, it was this. 
David knew how to repent. There were times that you'll find in the book of Psalms where David said, God, create in me a new heart. Create in me a new heart. So when it said that David was a man after God's own heart, it didn't mean that he was perfect. It just meant that he was in pursuit of God that he was in pursuit with God, that we may fail, we have fallen, we may fall short. The Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. But the Bible also says that though a righteous man fall down seven times, he shall rise again. Guess what Christianity is all about? Getting down, getting up. Getting down, getting up. Good days, bad days. We get up, we follow after Jesus, we worship, we do what we can to gather with other believers. Can I encourage somebody tonight, if you can't get to God by running, go ahead and jog. If you can't get to God by jogging, go ahead and walk. If you can't even walk, begin to crawl. If you can't even crawl, call somebody up and say, you know what? I'm having a hard time. I'm down and discouraged. I don't even feel like going to church, but I need somebody to maybe pick me up and take me to church. That's what Pastor CJ talked about this past Sunday, right? The people that that brought their friend that was paralyzed to Jesus and brought them down. And can I tell you something? Continue to pursue after Jesus. Continue to be a person after God's own heart. And guess what God will begin to do? He will begin to give you a new heart, new desires, new things. The Bible says that that we should delight in the Lord and then he will give us the desires of our heart. We delight in the Lord. We pursue after God and let God begin to change you from the inside out by a relationship that we have with him. We pursue, we run. And you know what's interesting? Just like physically, when you run, it does the heart good. It purifies the heart. And can I tell you in a similar way, that's what happens in our spirit, that when we pursue and we run after God, we run the race that God has called us to run. And guess what? You have grace for your race too. Don't try to be like, don't try to compare. Just run after Jesus like the Apostle Paul said. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the, finished the race. I have kept my eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the finisher of my faith. I'm going to follow after Jesus. And guess what begins to happen? Your heart begins to be changed. It's been scientifically proven that people who run consistently decrease their chances of heart disease up to 55%. Can I tell you what's going to keep your spiritual heart healthy and strong? Running after God with all your heart. Somebody say all my heart. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35 through 37. Y'all can go ahead and help me out. Worship team, Luke, if you can help me out with that table. And we know this scripture, right? This is Jesus responding to someone who was an expert in law. Matthew chapter 22, verse 35 to 37. He says this. One of them, an expert in law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God. With what? All your heart. With all your soul. And with all your mind. I have a question for you tonight. If I had to ask you, does God have your heart? 
how would you respond? Like, does God really have your heart? Some of us would be honest. We'd probably say, you know, Caleb, to be honest, like, there's some areas, there's some things that I'm dealing with that I haven't given to God. I've messed up time and time. I, I haven't given this to God. Or maybe you'd be honest and you'd say, you know what, Caleb, like, or maybe you'd probably just say, you know, I, God does have my heart, right? I come to church. I'm here, aren't I? I'm, on, I'm here on a Wednesday night. God definitely has my heart. I have some friends that are, even, that are at home watching TV or something. God has my heart. Why? Because I'm here. But don't confuse religion or tradition with God having your heart by being present. See, being a Christian is not a to-do list. It's a to-be list. Being present, being here, being receptive, being attentive, focusing on him. See, I want to give you this example. Let's say that this box right here, this right here represents God. And let's say that this heart right here represents your heart and how much of your heart that you've given to God. And if I had to ask you, hey, does God have your heart? Maybe you say, yeah, God has all of my heart. I've given God all of my heart. But to be honest, maybe you're dealing with bitterness or unforgiveness or hostility to someone, maybe even another believer, and you're not willing to forgive someone. And the Bible says that if you don't forgive others, that God can't forgive you. And we say, God, I give you all my heart, but yet there's, there's some people that I, have, I, I choose not to forgive, and I'm holding a grudge and bitterness against. What begins to happen, we, even begin to, we don't even realize it, is that a piece of our heart gets taken. Maybe you're just so busy with work, with school, family, children, which I think all those things are, are, you know, important, but maybe even entertainment or social media, and a whole day has passed by, 24 hours, and you haven't even spent a minute praying and talking to God, and we don't even realize it, but another piece of our heart gets torn off. And we say, God, I give you all my heart, but in reality, maybe it just looks like this. Or maybe you're allowing yourself to be in a toxic relationship or friendship with someone that is pulling you away. It doesn't just happen in teenagers' lives. Maybe we don't have certain boundaries. Maybe we haven't guarded our heart the way that we need to. And we say, God, I give you all my heart. But then another piece of our heart gets taken. Maybe you're going through just, it feels like just a habitual sin uh, just maybe just through a bad habit and you're not willing to bring it to light, to find accountability, to be transparent. The Bible says confess your sins one to another so that way healing can be brought about. There is power in community. Bringing, see, because that's what sin does. Sin grows in the dark. And if there's one thing the enemy doesn't want you to do, it's to bring that sin to light. But then another piece of our heart gets taken away. And we can quote the scripture, yeah, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart. But in actuality, in reality, many times our heart just looks like this. And we say, God, I give you all my heart. But I came to tell you tonight that God is not content or satisfied with just a piece or portion or part of our heart. That God wants every part of your heart, even the messed up ones, even the broken areas. Because I've learned that God can't mold what you're not willing to let him hold. And that just blows my mind to think about this for a second, that a God that is perfect, 
a God that doesn't need me, a God that is righteous, a God that is holy, a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, a God who will be God whenever I, before I was born, and a God that was God uh, whenever who will be God even whenever I take my last breath. God wants my heart. Someone who's made as many mistakes as, as me or maybe just as you, God wants your, yes, God wants your heart. How do I know that? Because over 2,000 years ago, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come into the world, and he died on the cross. He laid it all down. Heaven went bankrupt for you. Why? Because God has always been after your heart. The two greatest commandments. Love the Lord. First one, love the Lord your God with all. Somebody say all of my heart. Somebody say all that God wants is all of me. I've heard it said before that we have a universe-sized hole in our soul, and the only person who can fill that void is Jesus Christ. But maybe you're in this place too, and maybe Similar to what I stated, you're saying, you know what, Caleb, if we're being honest, I, I've gone from relationship to relationship or, or thing after thing, hoping that it would bring satisfaction to my soul and that my heart would be filled. But it seems like every time I go from thing to thing, my heart, I'm just giving it away, I'm giving it away, maybe been hurt, betrayed, neglected, maybe you're carrying shame. Maybe you're carrying condemnation. Maybe you've just disappointed yourself time and time again. You're, you're messing up. You're, you're falling short. Every, and you're just falling. And you're trying to just do what you can. And, you, and you're like this. And you say, Caleb, I feel like I don't even have a heart to give God. This is, what I, this is all I have left to give. Or maybe you just feel like your heart is just shattered on the floor. Can I encourage you with something tonight at Riverside Church or whoever may be watching online? that you don't have to wait to give God your heart whenever everything is perfect and where everything's all right and everything's all together, that the best thing you and I could ever do is to begin to maybe just get down and pick up the pieces, the broken areas in our heart. Because I feel like I just felt led to share with somebody. I just felt like somebody came to this church, and this is what you feel like right now. You feel like your heart has been ripped outside of your chest and it's just shred and scattered all over the floor and you've come out of a broken relationship or, or maybe you've just, you know, been through a lot of different things and you feel like you don't even have a heart to give God. Can I encourage you? Get down and it may take some time. Begin to pick up every broken area, every broken piece. Pick up your heart and it may take some time, but pick it up and what will begin to happen? Thank you, Ryan. You're awesome, bro. Or get somebody to help you pick it up and give it to God because the only one who can satisfy the human heart is the one who created the human heart and give it to God give it to God I don't know what you're carrying right now I don't know what you've been going through some of us we come to church and we don't give certain things to God why because we say God that's too dirty that's too messy that's too big for you. God, you know what I did. You know what I did last night. You know what I'm, I'm probably going to mess up again. But yet Jesus Christ, for while we were still sinners, yet he died for us. And he's saying, just give it to me. 
Give me the broken areas. Give me the hidden areas. Give it to me. I just want your heart and see what I can do. And when you give God your heart, guess what? He can give you a new heart, new desires. This is my prayer. I say, God, I want you to have all my heart. That's, you know what this whole message wrapped up together is this. You know, this whole message, we could have got out of here probably 30 minutes ago if I would have just shared this thing right here. You ready? God wants your heart. Give it to him, even if it's broken, and he can give you a new one. He wants to empower you with his spirit. He loves you because your God is the one who can turn a great mess into greatness. The only question is, are you willing to hand it over and give it to him? Tonight's a heart check. We can all have our, it's so important to go to the doctor periodically, right? Once a year, do the blood work, do the lab test. But how many times for our soul and our spirit, we don't get our heart checked? This is what God wants. Come on, stand to your feet tonight. Anybody receive this message? I want to give somebody an opportunity because every time that we gather, we just want to bring glory to Jesus. We want to give an opportunity for someone to give their heart to the Lord. It's more than religion. It's more than tradition. It's having a relationship with him. Allow God to lead you. Allow God to direct you. He wants you. You don't have to wait to get all cleaned up and look pretty to come to God. No, come to God just as you are. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you way too much to keep you the way that you are. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe in this moment, you feel like God is just checking your heart. You know what we're going to do right now? We're going to go ahead as well. We're going to have our elders, our prayer partners, our pastors up here. Maybe you're dealing with something in your heart. Maybe you haven't given something to God. Come on, just as a sign of just surrender, maybe in this moment, just raise your hands. Just say, God, I give it to you right now. I'm not going to hide it anymore. I'm not going to allow this shame to hold me back anymore, God. I want to give you all of my heart. Maybe you need somebody to pray with you and agree with you. Come on, just to, to believe with you. Maybe you need somebody's faith as well. Come on, step up to the front. Pray with them. We want to be here for you. Maybe you're at home. Maybe you watch online. Maybe even in the building and you haven't received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. We want to give you an opportunity. The Bible says that when you believe, when you believe, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you shall be saved. When you place your faith in Jesus and you can say something like, Lord, I repent. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me for every one of my sins. God, I, I know I've messed up, Lord, but please, Lord, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I repent, Lord. And Jesus, I place my faith in you. I place my trust in you, Lord. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose. Lord Jesus, I want to start this relationship with you tonight. Today is the day of salvation. Come on, in your own way, just begin to pray that prayer. And for the rest of us, can we just go ahead and begin to worship and let God hear your hearts cry? Just begin to worship. And I believe that as we begin to worship, that you may feel, you may feel the presence of God. Just surrender to that. Allow God to fill you up. Maybe even tonight, you just need a renewing and a refreshing in your spirit. Maybe even just to, you know, be baptized in the Holy Spirit tonight. Just allow God, say, God, I want you to fill my heart up. I want you to fill my spirit, God, with you, Lord. Have your way tonight in Jesus' name. Come on, right now for the next few minutes, can we go ahead and sing it out?